Construction champions, it's your host, Ron Newsbaum, and we're here for another week and another great episode. We're about ready to get into your mind and what separates you from being the construction champion you can be and the one you are today. I'm super excited for our guest here today. Dave, it is great to have you with us. Oh, it's great to be here, Ron. Great to be here. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm excited too. Why don't you take some time here and tell all the construction champions out there who you are, what you do, and what brought us here today? Yeah, man. So my name is Dave Goodall. Um, I was the 70s kid, you know, the tree climber, building ramps, jumping bikes, probably full of ADD, um, undiagnosed dyslexic, and probably till high school. Um, So I was that kid, super curious off the rails, right? Probably would have been put on it on medication, but um, went through life, going through school, thinking I was an idiot because dyslexia, I struggled to comprehend, um, got got obsessed with some of the math and stuff. And uh, and thankfully, I grew up uh, right-hand man to my grandfather. He ran a countertop manufacturing plant back in Columbus, Ohio. Um, he did uh, manufactured countertops and his biggest client was Ryan Holmes back in the 70s. So he had a little 3000 square foot shop. I was in there all the day around sawdust and dirt and grit and grind. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away when I was around 10 or 11 years old. So I think that's what planted the seed of entrepreneurship, seeing my grandfather just in the community, love to build connections and networks and and that kind of stuff. And anyways, I, I got out of high school. I uh, not a, not a smart kid in between my ears is what I thought, but ended up going to an engineering school, got a double E electrical engineering school uh, degree and spent 22 years in the IT tech industry and services, professional services, implementation, integration. And uh, I was actually part of the team that did the voice over IP integration, analog to digital voice chips and, and all that stuff. So my clients were Fortune 100s, uh, big names. I won't mention them here on the radio, but we all know those Fortune 100s, right? And that's where I spent 22 years of my career. Um, I, I realized in my thirties, I was miserable. I was fat, miserable. I was married. I had kids, love my wife, love my kids. My oldest daughter was diagnosed autistic. My youngest was dyslexic. So now I've got neuroatypical kids. I married an, a beautiful honor student. Cause she's like, what do you mean? Comprehension, neurodiversity. Like we were on this whole path of educating my wife of we think differently. So what I've learned is with my dyslexia is I see things other people can't I'm pattern recognition. And with my ADHD, I'll take action where others won't. So I went back and got obsessed and I got a master practitioners and neuro-linguistics programming. We create our world with our words. Tap mental is a, is a word language bubble. Our words dictate what we will create and how we will experience life. So about five years ago, when I was laid off from the tech world, I jumped in learning all this master practitioner with neurolinguistics and all the journey of neurodiversity. And ironically, the, 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 the clients that showed up were all from the construction world. It's just, I don't know if it was just my grandfather planting that seed in me, but I just resonate. You know, my dad was an uh, Air Force C-130 onboard electrician. So I was always carrying the toolbox with my dad and we were fixing phone lines and wire and stuff. So as a kid, I was always getting my hands dirty and, and figuring out how things work. So yeah, so I think it was a natural transition. Once I learned all about, you know, the neurodiversity, the language patterns, how to rewire our brain, how to rewire our thought patterns, and how to set ourselves up for success in between our ears is where it starts. You know, then we use our gifts on top of that. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> that was a lot. I'm sorry, I went winded. 
No, hey, it's all good because what you're talking about is, I think, so critical and something that we overlook all too often. So I'm going to jump right in there and I'm going to ask you the million dollar question. And that is, what makes a construction champion? I think it's it's the one is, is that we talked about it earlier is is, uh, is having the what if principle. Right. A lot of my clients were in industries and you know, we've always done it that way, right? And and a lot of my business owners are like, well, what if we didn't? What if we did this way? What if we made it better? What if we made it easier? What, it's this what if curiosity with these business owners. Um, but where that breaks down is they, they get the what if, and they'll take action, but then their limiting beliefs and maybe their mental brain doesn't have quite the muscles needed to be successful and happy about it. So that is where your magic happens. Yeah. How do we work through that? So, I mean, we have guys from college education to high school education out there running these companies, you know, going from nothing to a million, from a million to five uh, guys get, you know, up to 10, $20 million in annual revenue still dealing with exactly what you're talking about. I know I've been there. I've felt that. We've worked through some stuff together personally. That's why I'm so excited to get you on here and start breaking that down for everybody out there is how do we start getting past that and become the best version of ourselves? Yeah. So, you know, at Tap Metal, you know, if you look at my shirt here, it's, it's a language bubble, right? With our words, we create our world. And what we don't know is on our journey, we're born without an unconscious, so we, we can't consciously think our conscious database has to reference our unconscious database to take action. And the unconscious database is full of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions from past experiences. What we don't realize is our first seven years in life is our program years. What we see here and feel from our mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, teachers, coaches, et cetera, you know, you do this, you do X, you get result Y, right? And that goes into the unconscious. We have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day and 95% of them are derived from that unconscious programming. So we're basically allowing that seven-year-old version of ourselves dictate what we will and won't do, right? So we might get to a point where we're taking action in a business, we're growing out. I mean, we, we evolve, right? But our foundation's on that seven, that, that seven-year-old. But as we age, you know, we get lazier and lazier. You know, well, this, we've always done it that way. You've probably heard that tons, right? We've always done it that way. And that's why I love the what if principle. It's like, well, what if we did it? You know, but that's that the internal programming, those unconscious thoughts, feelings, and emotions will dictate whether you will or won't, won't take action. So how, how, so I mean, this, this fascinates me because I, I think the, the potential that you can unlock by working through this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. work with a lot of guys in the construction industry and have taken a lot of guys to high levels, like unlocked some powers that they didn't know they had to take their companies to places they never thought they could go. What are what are some of those things that you see when you saw working with these guys that are stuff that is just light bulb moments for them? It's it's funny you ask. It's it's one thing I've learned with these business creators, developers and owners. A lot of them are visionary but suck at operations <laughs> because here's the story. Here's what happens, right? They're like, well, I hate doing this task. Everybody else does too. And that's not always true. A lot of the times the visionary aren't the greatest doers, right? So it comes to developing the team 
And a lot of these business owners are great visionaries and inventors and creators, but they're not great communicators and delegators. Mm. Right. So, and because it's like, well, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Well, what if you figured out what needs to get done, figure out the bare minimum, and then find someone on your team team that would love to run with that. I had an issue a couple of years ago where I had a guy paying an operations officer a six-figure salary. We figured out he wasn't doing the job entirely well. We allowed the owner to assess his value system. And we basically built the values, set them in the business. We put boundaries around the values. We started holding people accountable to the values. And that operation officer is like, oh, wow, this is hard. I actually am accountable and I have to do my job now. So we basically forced this guy to leave. But the owner sitting there like, I don't want to go back to that chair. And I'm like, well, what tasks don't you want to do? And he basically listed five tasks. He pulled his inner circle in and said, hey, I've got five, five tasks that need to be done on a weekly basis. Who wants them? And he was amazed at how many hands went up. Mm-hmm. So he let a guy leave for $100,000. He now put $100,000 back in his pocket. He had four team members. He delegated these and then gave each one person like a five or an $8,000 raise. He saved money and delegated the roles that he didn't want to do, right? It's, it's that simple, but we make it hard because we're so scared of, well, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Yeah, that. So what you just said, I think, has a lot to unpack right there. But the main thing is making that list of what you don't want to do, because we all have stuff that we're really, really good at. But a lot of us are good at making that list of stuff we don't want to do, because we just feel like let's just do it. Let's get it done. I know I'll knock this out real quick and I'll be on to my next thing. But that's really, that's what starts to hold us back from the next right. thing going there, on. There's something about the, a kinesthetic, uh, a physical action, right? And it's funny you just said that. I've got a book right here. It's got two books in it. It's a, it's a little cover, but it's got a, this first book right here is I hate. <laughs> and right here is the, I'm so grateful now that. Right. It's it's most of my clients can come to me like like I they're like, I can tell you what I don't want, but I struggle to tell you what I want. I mean, because we're so embedded in in the in the shit, right? It's like, man, I'm so like up to here, I I can't even figure out what I do want. So a lot of the tasks I give to my owners is like, hey, first thing before you go to bed, the things that showed up that you hated today, get them down on paper. Right? Write it, just get it out. Like we're gonna get the I hate. And then the next one is, hey, once this is gone, what would that, what doors would open up for me? So I gotta, I gotta figure out what I don't want to figure out what I do. Cause that's, that's kind of like what I figured that what God universe does to us. It's like, hey, I'm going to give you an obstacle. You asked for this, but I'm going to put this pothole in front of you and you're going to have to figure out how to get through it, around it, over it, whatever. But once you do that, now you have the muzzle, the muscle to get to the other side, to get exactly what you want. Yeah. And that it's never... It's never as easy as we think it's going to be Mm-mm. to do that and to, to, to develop those muscles. But once we have them, you can start to do it at another level and it helps you just continue to work through that. And because the what you hate and what you love, that's a changing thing. Like that's yeah. something that evolves with you, not just sticks around. Like if you're growing continuing to evolve your business is growing that stuff that list that's a that's a practice that continues on because there's going to be new things that you hate there's going to be new things that you love and you know i i think i don't do a good enough job of that now today 
because yeah. I, I'm con- I'm continuously evolving. And I know a lot of our listeners are, are out there as well. And we need to focus in on that. Like, what is the stuff that I just don't like doing? Because right. what I found is that stuff would drag you down. Yeah. It, well, you just, you just unpacked a bunch of stuff there. Um, what I've learned is, is I took this assessment years ago, years ago called Energy Leadership Index Assessment. You know, being a double E electrical engineer, I've learned that, you know, I love Nikola Tesla, Albert Einstein, everything is energy and, and energy is magnet, mag, uh, magnetic, right? So like energy attracts like energy. If, if you're in defense, how many football teams, this is a good analogy. How many football teams win a Super Bowl season completely by their defense? Not very many. Uh, yeah. Right. So <laughs> if, we're, days. if we're always on defense, we're always looking for the fight and it's in energy is like a magnet. If you're always looking for that next fight, that next shit show, whatever you want to call it, right. It's going to show up. Right. So we need to have a good balance of offense and defense. Right. So I had a client last week, we were having a great conversation and it, and, and, and she was just like, I'm just, I just don't want to mess things up. I just don't want to screw it up. I just don't want to screw it up. And I was like, what if you switched your language to, I want to do the right thing? Like, say it out loud. I don't want to mess it up. How does that feel? And it's like, hey, man, I just want to do the right thing here. It's, a, it's an energetic shift and it really attracts, it opens up a new opportunity. Like I said, our words create our world. And if we're constantly in a defensive state, we're going to create opportunities that's going to require to use your defense. And although mm-hmm. we need to have a strong defense, but it's like, we need to think more on the offense. Like, what are we creating? What are we going? What's our goal? What are we going towards? But if you're constantly back here building the wall of defense, you're not going to be able to score. You're, you're going to be constantly getting set back. Yeah, I mean, that that's to me, that's so relatable. And any time when you're building anything, you have those moments where you just kind of go into defense. Like you said, when the shit show happens, like that's our natural response. I was in the Marine Corps, like your natural response is just to go into what you know, lean on those skills, those abilities. And unfortunately for most of us, it's not the push, it's the defense. Right. Like it's like we you hunker down here and you evaluate what's going on and figure out how you can make it out. Yeah. And make it out alive. And all too often, that's what ends up happening. Instead of us going, let's just run. That's just the Nets offensive play. Get it out there. And let's just hammer into it. Like the shit's yeah. only going to be so much. Eventually, we're coming out of it. Let's push out of it fast. Right. And I think we let ourselves, you can, you can say yes or no to this, but I think those shit storms, we keep ourselves in them longer than we have to be. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. It's like us, you know, the guys in construction, they're good guys. They want to do the right thing. Right. And I had an issue last week where we had a a contract. He's an internal framer, a drywall guy, and they were doing something where they need to have the Tyvek wrapping or something like that. And the vendor he was doing work for, they assume that the contract, he will do the Tyvek wrapping. But he didn't have it itemized. And be, you know, before we did all the, the MER work and all that other stuff, he was always in that defense of someone's going to screw me. Someone's going to screw me. Someone's going to screw me. And the client called and said, hey, man, this stuff's not wrapped. Who's going to do that? He's like, well, it's not in the contract. He's like, well, it's, it's assumed. We always, all our vendors always wrap it. 
And in, in old him, he said, he said, would have come out and says, I'm not doing that. That's going to cost me money. It, but the new him came up. He's like, you know what? Hey, here's the deal. This is our new project together. You're going to be feeding me tons of business down the road. He goes, I'll do this. He's like, you, I'll go pick up the materials. I'll send you the bill for the materials. My guys will absorb the, the cost of installing. Can we split it down the middle? And the guy's like, hey, that's fair. He goes, and then going forward, I know that in the contract, I'll make sure that's itemized in there so that so it's priced ef efficiently going forward. Done. It's like old him would have been, this is a fight. New him's like, hey, there's a there's a win for both of us here. And let's figure that out, right? But I think we're, we get so stuck in that shit storm that we can't really see that there's a solution right in front of us. Yeah, you know, and I'll, I, I talk a lot about communication. And I think that's one of the things we do is we're very combative when it comes to communication. Oh, like, yeah. people, like All customers have these emotions. Like this is what they feel. We have emotions as well, but all, always for some reason, we just get really combative about it. I mean, yeah. I, I've been to escalated homeowners' houses and you can, like, it's not personal, but for some reason we will take it personal. And then it becomes 100%. way escalated. But with what, like you said, is we need to have a more of a collaborative mindset on how can we reach an end outcome that benefits both parties? Right. Because this is what's happening. This is reality. And instead of being caught up in that, how do we get to that end outcome uh, yeah. that helps everybody? Well, we were talking about this earlier, right? That fight or flight emotional state it blocks 90% of our critical thinking. And then it's that whole magnet of like energy, like energy. So if I'm already, someone's going to screw me, now I'm in this fight or flight state, my critical thinking's gone. And now I'm I'm energetically attracting people to come screw me, <laughs> right? And, and it's just like when you were talking about the special forces in the military and you know a lot of my career in the 22 years, I worked with a lot of ex-military guys. Some of the smartest stress guy and like could navigate stress i mean we were dealing with knock new york stock exchange and stuff worked down and my military guys were like yeah it's down whatever you know and you got management like freaking out he's like no we'll, we'll fix the problem but they were trained in the military for bullets and bombs to be going over their heads so when that worked down it's like no one's shooting bullets at me we're good we'll fix the problem right so it's how they navigate the stressful situations but like we were saying earlier if you haven't developed the muscle to navigate through your fight or flight energy and to normalize it, you're critical thinking. You can't solve problems. So until you realize how you're programmed and developing those muscles to navigate through the stress, you're going to be an asshole leader. I mean, it just, it just is, right? You know, you're going to be barking orders and, and it's just, yeah, it's not a good, it's not a win-win for everybody or your team, right? Yeah, absolutely. So how, how do we start to get out of that flight, that fight or flight mode. I mean, that's how, how do we work through some of that stuff? It's, it's going to sound woohoo-y, you know, and I, I hate it too, but keeping a little journal, you can have your iPhone. When we get into those moments where we're angry or mad, like I have a lot of clients in the beginning, it's like, pull out your iPhone. I was angry at two o'clock and here was the problem. And it's just starting to track your emotional roller coaster of when you're in that, I got to go destroy somebody. And just start to, step one is conscious awareness. I got to be conscious aware of my programming. I can't rewire my neuropathways. If this is neuroplasticity, it's neuroscience. It's all there. It's available for everybody. And I know us blue collar workers, we're grunts and grinding. It's like, that's all this woohoo-y stuff. But once you recognize, hey, you're right there. I was an asshole. 
you know, I was at an event a few years ago and there was a guy that was talking up and he was talking about every time him and his wife got in a conversation, he would combat back. It was almost like a fight until one day he recognized he's like, I don't have a dog in this fight. Why am I fighting my wife on stupid shit? Like, like for what reason? But it was the unconscious program. You know, someone's going to screw me. So if someone asks me to do something, I'm automatically going to come out of the gate swinging. But having that conscious awareness of, hey, why am I always fighting? Where did that come from? Did I watch my dad do it? My mom do it? And once you recognize these patterns, because we're just all a series of patterns, it's like, hey, what if I didn't fight here? What would be available? So to answer your question is like, step one is you got to be consciously aware. Only 5% of our daily actions are consciously chosen. The rest is from our unconscious. And if you're not aware of how your operating system is, then you're going to continue to do the same thing tomorrow and the day after and the day after. And it's it's just until you break that pattern, you're going to keep repeating it. I, I love when you talk about writing, writing the stuff down like that. I mean, that's something I could definitely do better. Uh, but it also get when you're when you're in that moment, it gives you an opportunity to actually reflect on what's going on and what what I mean, it's a learning. Not only are you writing it down, you're also capturing it and you can learn from it in the moment and you start to have some of that realization on what's going on. Because uh, like you said, we can just if you feel like this is how it's going to be, it's how it's going to be <laughs> like right. that, that's a pr- that's a proven thing like that. Well- you know, my wife and I were just having a conversation before the podcast and she's trying to get back into running. I used to do Ironmans. I used to race mountain bikes and I've got teenage kids now. So time's limited. And my wife's trying to do couch to 5k. You know, she was a big runner back in the day and you know, we're on, I'm in my fifties. She's on the edge of, but she started journaling. You know, my one daughter runs track. My other one's on softball. We travel all over. And, and she's like, man, I, I missed three runs last week. So by the begin by Monday, she'd be like, man, I suck. I'm getting fat, blah, blah, blah. I can't, but now she writes her journal of stuff that's going on. With, she journals every day. She's like, oh, Kennedy, my oldest daughter, she had this, she was sick and this didn't work. And so now Monday morning, she gets up and does her run and then reflex on last week. And she's like, oh my God, we had this last minute exam. She was sick this day. So she builds the evidence of why she had seven runs and only got in four rather than tell herself she's a piece of shit. She can be like, mm-hmm. oh, I was an awesome mom last week. Look at this stuff I did. I did this, this, and this. You know, now how do we plan for this week so we can create the defense and offense to be successful? And then maybe this week I can get five runs in. So it's, but if you, if you don't have the data, you can't go back and and reflect on what, what did you win with last week? Mm. Right. I mean, you know, construction, I mean, material shortages and people quit and like, like all of a sudden Friday comes in and you're like, what the hell? What a, what a, show this week and you're like oh wow i had this dude walk off a site materials weren't delivered what whatever it is right lights you know site lights didn't show up we're supposed to start at 4 a.m we couldn't start until sunrise and and but you know those things happen but if you don't reflect on the actuals then that negative self-talk in between our ears we start to build these stories of how we don't deserve it we're not good enough we're not smart enough we suck our you know our business is going to go out of business, right? It's, it's God, the stories we create, they're horrible. Well, we live in the losses. Like right. that's just natural. Like you're always, because, you know, at, 
we we tend to fix like the construction industry in general is people you want to fix stuff you're you're there to fit you know whether it's a renovation or a plumbing issue or an electrical issue you're showing up to fix it so that's naturally what's in our heart like we're going to focus on what is wrong and try to fix it and we're always looking at the losses or the bad instead of looking at what is actually good of coming out of what we're doing Right. Well, I mean, a construction's an expense, right? We need a roof over our head, you know, and if you're in residential, right, you are now helping a homeowner with one of their largest investments. You know, if you own a home or a couple of homes that that's, you know, a, a standard American will buy one home, maybe, what is it like 60% will actually own a home. That's the largest investment they'll make. And you're there to help influence a success on that investment you're you know you're cleaning it up you're fixing you're adding on you're you're making it for them you know business owners if you're doing b2b stuff that's a roof over the head for their business it's a you know brick and mortar you know they don't want to be spending a ton of money on on the building but yet you know they want it nice for their employees etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you got the investors so yeah it's it's construction is an expense. So there's almost always this, that defense in the beginning. How are they going to screw me? How much is it going to cost me? Blah, 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 blah. Right. So that's the person that's buying your services. That's kind of where they are energetically. So how do you, as the business owner, help them shift their mind in regards to what Hmm. you're helping them achieve? Right. Absolutely, man. That's a, that's those emotions we talk about. And if you you can't meet that energy with the same energy, because then that's what's going to happen. Everybody's going to get screwed. I mean, if the customer feels that way and you come in feeling that way about the customer, then it's just a matter of time before it's a bad situation for everybody. And that's not what champions do. That's not what we're here to create. We're here to create just what you just said is how can we go in there understand those emotions and then help that customer navigate them. So the project is very successful for everybody involved. Yeah. It's cool. You just triggered in my mind. I've got a client I'm working with. Same thing. We're dealing with some end users and they're just coming out of the gate swinging. And he immediately went on the defense, but we've been working on some strategies and now he's reading people's emotions, energy and motion is our emotions. We have them. And so does our clients. So this particular client of mine is learning how to read other emotions and is allowing him to the art of war, right? If he's coming out of the gate this way, then I, okay, what are the three possibilities of why they're acting that way, right? A lot of times, number one, it has to do with money, (laughs) money and power, money and power. So if someone's being an a-hole, we got to figure out what's the root of theirs. And then how do we navigate conversations? How do we navigate situations? You know, sometimes it requires getting our attorneys involved. You know, sometimes it requires sending a letter, you know, that kind of stuff. But sometimes it's just in that situation. What is the emotion they're giving me? Why would they be acting or reacting that way? And then how do I want to come out ahead? And, you know, I don't have to go on the defense, right? So good stuff. Awesome, man. I love it. It's been it's been great having you here today. Yeah, man. Uh, absolutely amazing episode. Uh, why don't you tell everybody out there how they can find you? Where's the best places to connect, follow you? Uh, go ahead and do that. Yeah, so I've got a website. It's called Tap Mental, T-A-P-M-E-N-T-A-L dot I-O. So we tap into people's mental programming. We help you you know, reprogram your unconscious mind so that you can uh, be set up for success. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Tap Mental. 
Uh, I'm also on Instagram. I think it's David Goodall, David underscore Goodall. Um, I've got a YouTube channel out there, Top Metal. I'm, I'm doing the TikToks and the Reels, and we've got great little, you know, one minute snippet videos every day for mindset strategies, and uh, we're trying to build the Twitter up. So we'll see what happens there. Awesome, man. Well, you're you're rocking it. Thank you for uh, coming on today. Yeah, man. I appreciate. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I always love chatting with you, especially about <laughs> Ohio State football, man. Let OH, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, construction champions. What an episode packed full of what are you what are you doing in your mind? How are you going into these situations with emotions? Because like we just touched on, if your customer is standoffish and they feel like you're there to rip them off and you come in feeling like they're there to rip you off, what outcome can we expect? This is the stuff that we have to work through to become the construction champions that we're meant to be. And the only way to do that is to get in our own minds and start to straighten some of that stuff out. I know it might not seem all glamorous or like it might be something that, oh, I don't need that. But trust me, we all do. If you're going to take your business from zero to 500,000 or 500,000 to a million or say, five to 10 million or 10 to 20 million. There's a lot of learning that we have to do in between there and a lot of evolving. And that evolving all starts in our headspace. And how do we get there? A lot of great tidbits here today with the journaling, not just daily, but also taking the time when you're in a situation that's spiraling out of control to write down what you're, what you're feeling, what that situation is, so you can reflect on that. And then taking the time to journal down what happened during the day, not just what the losses are, but what are the wins. So then we can look at it from a big picture. Because I know, just like myself, everybody out there is just as guilty as looking at those losses and being overcritical on what we're doing wrong instead of being overly thankful for the things that we are doing good. So construction champions, until next time, go be the champion you were meant to be.